Got you. Okay. That was yeah, cool. Was, I was, <laughs> yeah, was people off fucking balconies. Like, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was an intense time period. That's where the. All right. All right. We're we rolling right now. All right. What's up, guys? We're rolling, Gary. Yeah. All right. Welcome to episode <laughs> seventy-nine of Combos in the Pedicab. I'm here with Marlon Rice. He owns a uh, vegan food truck on Eleventh uh, and, and Lydia, brother. Eleventh and Lydia. What's the name of the food truck? Community Vegan. Yeah, it's a huge Winnebago, classic, 1973. Uh, we do vegan comfort food, you know, all types of fun stuff, from milkshakes to huge sandwiches, chili cheese fries, all the things you typically wouldn't think you could get a, get at a vegan spot, you can get over there, man. And, and it's it's pretty delicious, if you ask me. Yeah. It's well, really good. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate um, that. You know, I'm not... I'm not I'm going to be really upfront with you. You don't look like a prototypical vegan Marlin. Yeah. <laughs> typically, yeah, typically people will look at me and say, oh, you're vegan, huh? I mean, it kind of throws them off because I think most times you're thinking of a long-haired hippie type cat, you know, who's all about peace and love, and I'm about peace and love too, but just look a little bit different, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? It's all good. There, well, there are a lot of misconceptions. I'm, I'm, I'm not a vegan, right, mm -hmm. by any stretch. But there are a lot of misconceptions that uh, come with veganism. Right. And people think that like these vegan, a lot of the vegan, a lot of vegans, or when they stereotype vegans, they think of them as like really small, you know, um, testosterone deficient. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> soy boys, for lack of a better word. Even no, though I don't, I don't really yeah. like throwing out like all, all right, like terminology. But that's like what people see. You know, that's what people see. Um, it's funny, but yes, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But a lot of like really elite level athletes adopt vegan lifestyles. Absolutely. I mean, some of the um, more successful ones, especially uh, the ones who are playing um, you know, later in life than, than typical, they've adopted a plant-based lifestyle. If not 100%, at least the majority of their diet, majority of their lifestyle is going to be Plant-based primarily. The benefits are insane. Everything from um, you don't have to deal with inflammation. Recovery is incredible. Um, the way your body absorbs foods allows you to have higher energy levels. Your rest your, can be more peaceful. Your I mean, metabolism is a lot better. Metabolism is crazy because your body is accepting things that are easy to be broken down. Yeah, and, and you, you know? also um, they also have a lot of fiber. Absolutely, hence, tons of fiber. Yeah, hence easy to yeah, yeah and, 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 down. and here in the states, you know, we're a uh, fiber deficient country, man. I, mean, I didn't know we, that. We we are extremely fiber deficient, bro. I mean, well, I tell, I mean, the number of people, you know, just keeping it real, who have minimal amounts of bowel movements weekly is insane. You know what I mean? And and I know a lot of people don't want to talk about shitting necessarily, <laughs> no. but but keeping it real though, man, you should be shitting multiple times daily. Nothing should sit in your body longer than 24, 48 hours. Absolutely nothing except for the organs that you have. Even the blood that we have regenerates itself. If you've got food that's sitting in your body multiple days at a time, guaranteed you got some nasty shit happening. Uh, no, I, there's no argument in that at all. Like that, that's, I, I fully agree with that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, there's a lot of discipline that comes with being a vegan. No doubt. There, there's a lot of discipline. Um, I had an MMA fight a few years ago, and I didn't go fully vegan, but the majority of my diet was, like, plant-based. Right. You know, like, I ate a plant-based diet, but I still ate chicken. You know, I still ate, like, fish. Or I had, like, 
you know, bison or ground beef that was like, uh, organic and like, you know, certified humane and all, all that stuff. Because I do, uh, you know, I, I do understand that there's a ton of discipline that goes into going vegan, right? but you know, you also have to be self-aware to be able to understand your protein intake going vegan. And that's a very difficult thing to do. And so it felt more manageable to me to just eat my organic chicken, gotcha. have my protein shakes, you know, do, do that while, you know, getting all my vegetables from like JBG or getting my vegetables, even from central market that were like, um, you know, or certified organic and like raised on farms and stuff like that. So like, I, I gotcha. always was like big on buying sustainably raised veggies. Yeah. Um, but you felt good from it though, didn't you? I mean, no, eating I more amazing. Like foods, I was yeah. like a testosterone filled fucking ape, dude. I was right. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. No doubt. Um, energy, like energy wise, I felt like really high energy when I was working out in the gym, mm -hmm. but when I was like not in the gym, I was exhausted. But that could also okay. be because of how hard you were going in the gym. Yeah, no doubt. So there could yeah, also yeah, yeah. be like that that little trade off. Right. Um, but it took a lot. Like it was a full time job to even be able to eat everything. Like I was monitoring every calorie I was eating. Right. You know what I mean? I was like, I would dedicate entire days to meal prepping, yeah. and even that sometimes wasn't enough. Um, yeah, it takes a. Um, it, it, it's like a full time job almost, and I think that people who adopt this lifestyle need to understand that this is a full time job. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely a full time job. But um, what I tell people in terms of the price that you pay, you're either going to pay now or pay later. So, so at some point, you're going to have to pay in terms of how you treat your body, the amount of time that we spend on our food, on our prep. Um, for me, it's, um, it's actually grown to where even beyond prep, it's about the relationship I have with my food. You know what I mean? For me, you know, the prep and all that, it's one thing, but I want to have a good relationship with my food. I want to be able to touch my food. I want to be able to appreciate my food by putting my hands on it, going through that entire process. So for me, all of that, um, I think, is a part of the benefit I get from what it is I eat. You know, it, it's, it's beyond just the nutrition side. I think it's about the relationship that we have with food also. So for me, I kind of changed the way I looked at that whole process. The same way I may look at a relationship with someone I care about, food is on that same level, man. I mean, because food is what keeps us going. You know what I mean? Food is what either keeps us going or it's going to have us in a shitty position. So with I, that being said. I agree. Yeah, I've tried. To, People I've tried eat to. their feelings all the time. Or they eat because they're bored. Or they eat for a There's whole. A lot of, right. People absolutely. eat for a whole multitude of reasons. And hunger is on the bottom. Right. Hunger is literally on the bottom of the reasons why people. So there, so, so you're right. So there are a variety of relationships that we have with food. So with that being said, um, I just wanted to make sure I have the right one. You know what I mean? So that's why I said you got to take the time. Put the focus in on that. That's why, you know, in addition to the way that I eat, you know, in my personal life, that's why I got into the food business, man. You know what yeah. I mean? Because part of it for me was being able to, you know, share my enjoyment of some healthier options with as many people as possible. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that one of the one of the criticisms I have of like I mean I'm not even gonna say the vegan community, but I'm gonna say like the promoting of veganism is the fact that a lot of people don't promote it within the lens of reality. You know, people just say, hey, go vegan. It feels great. You'll look great. You're saving animals. And they just say all these and they it almost becomes like a thing where people try to make it like cool and trendy. Right. No you know, doubt. and you got a lot of people even that I pedicab with or used to pedicab with that would call themselves vegans. But they're drinking, you know, they're drinking Lone Star and smoking, you know, clove cigarettes. Right. You know what I mean? Right, they're right, American right. spirits. And, uh, gotcha. and it's kind of. 
defeats the purpose of why you're going vegan. No, no doubt. And, and, and then you're going to feel like shit because you're not getting your essential amino acids. But, like, I, I really think that, like, there's got to be a better communication. Um, and there's got to be more pages out there to, like, help vegans consume the proper amount of protein. Gotcha. Well, and that's one of the things where I think, um, and I'll tell you, it's funny that you say that because that was the first thing that came to mind as far as my concern went. Because whenever I first went vegan, I was in the, I weighed about 340, something like that. I was a big dude. And um, I was like, okay, so I know I'm going to lose some weight by cutting out the meat. But, you know, what about my protein consumption? So that's when I started doing research on that. And, man, when I tell you it's the funniest thing because the one thing I get asked a lot is, so how do you handle the lack of protein? And first off, what I ended up learning was it wasn't about the protein as much as it was the the nutrient profile that I was getting from the foods that I was consuming. So as long as the nutrients were high and my carbohydrate intake was where it needed to be, I've never had an issue as far as protein goes. And when I, and it's funny because I've had people on the opposite end say, well, nah, there's no way you can be getting enough protein as a vegan. And I said, okay. I said, well, if that's the case, I said, you know, show me the protein deficiency wing of the hospital because as many people that are vegan out there, there should be a wing at every hospital for people who are protein deficient. I said, but, but there's not. And here's the reason why. It's because it's not necessarily about the protein we're consuming as much as the nutrients that, that are we're in the consuming. protein. And here's the thing. I cut out the middleman. So I tell people, a lot of the protein that we say we need to get comes from the middleman. Who's the middleman? The animals that we consume. So let me tell you what I do. It's kind of like dating. This is why I tell people. It's kind of like dating. Yeah, yeah, I don't hear this. Here's the thing. I'm like, you know, there's two ways you can approach it. So let's say you're out at a club, you know what I mean, and, and, and you got you and your man, and so you see beautiful young lady over there on the other side. So you tell me what's the most efficient way or effective way to start some type of good communication, some good relationship with the young lady over there. So would it be to go through your man in the middle and say, yo, bro, do me a favor. Go over there and holler at Shorty and see if I can get that phone number. Let's see if we can work it from there. Or would it be for you to step up, make your way straight across there and say, hey, my name is such and such. I'd love to meet you, blah, blah, blah. It's always better to cut out the middle, man. You're more effective and you're more efficient by doing that. So that's the same way I handle my food. I don't need anybody in the middle to get me what I need, man. So I go straight to the plants. If animals were eating exactly what they're designed to do, it would be plants, even though we're feeding them all this other nonsense, corn and whatnot. So, which that, is also fucked up, too. That they shouldn't even be eating that stuff, which is it's, why it's when insane. I got my meat, I made sure it was they were getting the non-GMO yeah. food and they were actually eating a plant-based diet. Right. So if they were eating exactly what they were designed to, it would be plants. Right. So what I've said is, you just know, another cut reason is cut out the middleman. I don't you know, know what I mean. That way, I don't get, you know, all the extra that that comes with it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's a lot extra that comes well, with it. I try to go fishing and eat the fish I catch for that reason. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, and I, I I went hunting once. I didn't get anything, but I want to start going hunting once the fall starts. Mm-hmm. And I feel I feel like if I kill a deer or something like that or a hog, I'm eating that because that is a that is an energy that that is an animal that ate a plant-based diet that was roaming around and you know free range and ultimately i do think that you you get the energy of like you inherit the energy of whatever you consume absolutely so if you get a like if you get like a badass wild hog and you kill it you got some you got that energy in your body now is how i look at it but back to what you're saying very few people are actually doing that and most of them are just buying food from like you know that they're buying food from heb or they're going to mcdonald's or they're going to waterburger they're going to p terry's and to be honest there's probably more natural protein in broccoli than there is in a P. Terry's hamburger. 
Of course there like, is. It's not even <laughs> it's not even close, man. And here's the thing. I've actually been to um I've actually been to a slaughterhouse outside of Los Angeles. And I tell people Oh I'm God, like, okay. I wanna hear this. I'm like I'm like, look, you know, and you know, here's the thing. It's easy to when I first went vegan, my whole thing was I was like, you know, I'm plant based. Don't even call me vegan. Let me say let me plant. Say that. Go plant. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm plant based. I was like, don't even call me vegan. That was when I first made the transition. But then made my way out to California, um, hooked up with some incredible people out there who were like, yo, we want to take you to the slaughterhouse so you can see what really goes on. So went out there to a pig slaughterhouse, man. When I tell you. That reshaped my thinking of the whole process. It, it had me rethinking the ways that I look at food. Um, there, there was a lot, you know, looking at these baby pigs that were six months old, 400 pounds, you know, eating feces off of each other. Some of them were dead in these freaking trailers. And looking at that, and, and, and for me, just the fact that I played a part in the consumption of that at, at some point, you know, I was, I was, I was like, yeah, I, 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 there's a level of, of, of guilt, even though I was ignorant to what was happening because they hide it from us. Um, there was a level of guilt that I felt that I was like, yeah, you know, I got to do better and be better. So with that, I went from calling myself plant-based to like, yo, I'm vegan because in addition to changing my diet, I also, you know, have care and concern about all living beings. You know what right. I mean? And so, and so, that's just one of those, you know, approaches that. Um, that I took um, just because I've become a more compassionate individual. Yeah, know? I think Mike Tyson's a vegan too, and he brought yeah. stuff like that up as well. Yeah, I, I actually, um, I saw like a bunch of documentaries, and I, the first time I was exposed to that, I was in college, and someone sent me a pamphlet about how like we overly consume farm animals, and the people just cut their meat consumption in half. You wouldn't see a lot of the packed slaughterhouses that you're right. seeing. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I actually tried to do that for a while. And then you know, I, I started. I saw Food Inc. and a, a bunch, a whole bunch other of these movies, and you know, I didn't go full vegan, but I I stopped buying processed meat from the grocery store. Like I, when I whenever I bought meat, I would I would all, like either a try to get it from an actual farm, okay, you know that was local, or I would you know make or, or I would wait or I would see the certified humane label on the chicken, and that's the only way I'm buying it is if it's certified humane. Or if it's like a bison, because you can't factory farm a bison. Like that's right. you know. Right, right. So I would, I, I, I've become a lot more selective. Like I haven't gone as far as you've gone, but I've become a lot more selective about the meat that I consume. Yeah, and and you know the the and you know for me, um, it, it, you know it took time. You grow into it. You know what I tell people is just try to be you know cognizant and conscious of uh, of what you're consuming. But the funny part is, like I've had a couple of buddies who say, yeah, you know. I make sure that, you know, the meat that I get is is organic and is this. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. I'm like, here's just one thing I want you to consider. This made one of my buddies stop in his tracks. He said, okay, yeah, I got to No, pick. I want to hear this. I want to hear this. Yeah, I said, um, I said, I need you to consider this when you tell me about the meat that you're eating and how they're raised and whatnot. I said, there is no such thing as humane slaughter. I said, when you slice the neck, whether you say I love you before you do or not, it's still a slicing of the neck. And so I said, keep that in mind. I said, I said, that's, I said, now I said, if you're, if you're consuming it for any other reason, that's, that's cool. That's on you, but just don't use that with me because brother, I'm like, it's more to it than that. You let me, let saying? me, let, let's push back on this a little bit. Okay. Um, so, um, in like rural parts of Texas, mm -hmm. you have ranchers and farmers who grow vegetables, mm -hmm. right? 
and some of the, those vegetables are for them and their family, but those other vegetables are for you and me and Absolutely. everybody else that buys them at the grocery Absolutely. store. And then you have a bunch of wild hogs who are an invasive species that go onto land and eat the vegetables and destroy right. the vegetation. Right, right, right. Um, and so if you don't kill those wild hogs, who also happen to have a lot of nutritional value from them, well, you're also like starving people here in America because they're eating your vegetables that get doled out to the rest of the public. Yeah, and, and here's, so there's and, there's also that perspective too, right? Uh, yeah, there's 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 obviously there's different perspectives with um with all of it. Um, you know, I I, I look at something like that where I'm <laughs> like, you know, there's a means for for everything. Yeah, for everything as far as you know how we can protect things and whatnot. And I know what you're talking about. I've heard about situations like this, especially out in uh, out in West Texas. But um, but even with that said, um. Y'all might help build a stronger fence, man. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. But at the same know. time, there are animals who overly, like there is like a, 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 a nature cycle, right? Mm. And I mean, this is, I, I forgot what, it, what it's called. I think it's like the life cycle or whatever it is, right? Like there is like a nature cycle. And that if certain animals overly reproduce, like you need certain predatory animals to control the um, reproductive rates of other animals because if they reproduce too fast, um, they'll wind up killing each other because they'll fight over a finite number of resources. So there's, there is like a weird balance in nature um, when it comes to that. I do think, though, that a, the, the 99% of people who eat meat are not processing or comprehending any of that, and they're just buying meat because it's tasty and they want to go to Pete Terry's or they want to go to Whataburger. Yes, yeah, so there, I mean, there, there is a lot of that, on. too. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, that's what we grew up on. I mean, you, you do what you know. You do what what's familiar and I mean that's how it was for me I mean you know, I went vegan four years ago I'm 48 so um you know it, I mean I was living a certain way man I mean forever that's all I knew I, you know, I didn't know anything different I, yeah. I was like sure that's what you do you know so um you know like I said for me it was just you know getting older and got some information I was like okay I'm gonna start having grandkids and you know shit yeah. like that I was like yo and, and for me you know, all my grandparents clocked out, you know, a little bit earlier than they should have. So at some point, someone's got to break the cycle. Well, and, and diet, too, in, like, black communities is... It's a killer. It's a killer. It's not good. It's really it's, it's a, it's a, a serious it's a killer, problem man. that yeah. doesn't get addressed at all. Yeah, it's, it's a killer from high blood pressure to heart disease to obesity to diabetes to... I mean, man, when I tell you in the black community... I mean, there are so many issues that are diet-related, you know, which is why, for me... You know, I said, you know, I got to take that responsibility on myself and stop that cycle, um, at least as far as my family goes. And then hopefully it can rub off positively on, you know, other people. Hell, if it just affects one person positively, then I'm pleased. You know, even if it means not going vegan necessarily, but, yo, you know what, I'm going to do a meatless Mondays just to try to clean it up a little bit, get more fiber in my system, whatever it may be. Man, I'm, I love that. So for me it's not necessarily about getting someone to – you know, um, you know, go 100% yeah. as much as it is. Just do do what's healthier. And, and, and people push that. People push these lifestyles in a way that turns people off to those lifestyles. Like yeah. I do know, like people really try to like jam it down people's throat and stuff like that. Um, specifically, like PETA. You know what I mean? Or some of these like ultra animal rights like organizations. They like really try to like guilt you into doing it, or they try to like shame you into doing it. And I, I think that that's the wrong approach. I think that like you have to be. Uh, I think you got to be calm. You got to give people, you, you got to use like calm, love, and logic to get people to transition into doing that. And you got to reward every positive step that gets made. You got to just reward it. No, I, I agree. And, and I, I do it, think, you know? um, 
I do think. I mean, there are some aggressive organizations on the um, on the on the side of, of of animals and on the vegan side, no doubt. Um, I don't necessarily take that approach, but um, obviously I understand where they're coming from. But for me, you know, um, I think it's much easier to get people to have a conversation with you if you're open to having some real constructive dialogue versus doing too much finger wagging. You know what I mean? Once you start doing finger wagging and pointing, you know, at someone telling them what they're doing wrong and how, you know, they're hell bound for that, um, they're going to turn you off. So for me, it's just about having a conversation. I like to use myself as an example. That way people know I'm not talking at you. I'm just telling you about my experience and how I change. And then from there, if that impacts you positively, then, you know, hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll jump on it. Um, but other than that, um, you know, what I tell people is, I'm just trying to share with you the positive experience I had. And most people are very open to that because they're like, yo, I, I appreciate that approach. I'm like, yo, because I wouldn't tell you anything that's not good for you. You know, especially if I care about you, which is pretty much everyone. I'm like, I'm only going to tell you things that are good for yeah, you. you know, I, I yeah, I think you want to leave the world a better place than um, where you found it. Absolutely. I think that's generally everybody's everybody's purpose. Um, now, do they do they actually act on that? Do that's you act on that? And so, that, that's the other, that, so that's the other thing, too. Um, and I was bringing this up to you earlier. And it's that, like, you know, if I'm the CEO of a company and I see some super yoked dude come in who happens to be a vegan, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be more likely to hire him right. over somebody else who may have had a better degree from a better university. Yeah. Because just looking uh, like looking like you're in great shape and being in great shape and being high energy while being vegan means that you are very in tune with yourself. No doubt. And and no doubt. you want people that are going to be you you know self-awareness brings value and it it transcends to other aspects of life, right? right. Like it really does make you a better person, I think. Like cuz if you have the self-awareness to like I don't know, um stick to a plant-based diet for years, while being healthy and optimal, then you have the self-love most likely to not cheat on your wife or girlfriend. Right. right. And then if you have the self-love and the self-discipline to not, you know, cheat on your wife or girlfriend, right? And you have the self-discipline to like stick to stick to this diet while being an optimal health. You have the self-discipline to create new projects and continue trying to create new projects that will help improve the world and society as we know it. Because that's ultimately... You know, anybody who makes something that in which they make an insane amount of money off of, usually they're creating something that's making life easier for people. Right, right. You know, like Henry Ford, he invented the assembly line. Yep. And that made it easier for people to go from point A to point B. Um, Elon Musk has electric cars. Right. Even Jeff Bezos, I mean, you know, I don't like who he is. Hmm. I mean, I don't, you know, like anybody that's profiting and um, trying to propagate lockdowns to make more money and destroy, you know, small businesses as a result of what you're doing, but you, you still see, created did, a... Speaking of right. Bezos, did you see that video of um, he and his wife? And With Leo? Yeah. <laughs> you think Bezos really cares, though? Yeah. You better. You freaking better. Yo, you better care. If that happens, you better care. I, I mean, here, there's no amount... Here's the thing. At the end of the day, we are who we are. That's true. Like, we, we all go to the bathroom, and we do it the way we're supposed to do it when we use the bathroom. Hey, man. At the end of the day, you stand in front of that mirror, bro. There's no hold up. There's no money, yo. There's no money when you stand in front of that mirror early in the morning and you got that sleep in your eyes and shit and you know who you are. You start thinking about, damn, she was pressing up on Leo like she wanted to, yo. 
<laughs> that's a problem, man. He better think about that. That is a problem. I'm glad I don't have that problem. Yeah, man. I'm glad I don't have that yeah, problem. That's, that's a all. Problem, but anyway, that, that's the point, though. You got to be thankful, too, right? Because a lot of people, they look at guys like Bezos and they hate him and they're jealous and they're envious. <laughs> and, you know, at the same time, why be envious and jealous of people like that when you could just be appreciative of the fact that you don't have their problems just, just or that your wife isn't pressing up on Leo yeah, Leonardo man, DiCaprio yo, yo, in front just, of you, yo, right? Yo, like, yo, just be who you, you are. You have to be Enjoy, grateful. Yeah, be, be very thankful. Man. Be very, I think that, I think gratitude's a big thing. But anyway, back to what I was saying is that, like, you know, you created Amazon. You made it easier for people to get products at a really fast and high high rate. Right. And you made it easier for anybody who made something to, like, put their product onto Amazon right. and all that stuff, right? So you make something that... Um, at least for for a time, helped make helped make the world a more convenient place to go to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and having self and you can't do that without an insane amount of self discipline. Absolutely, you can't. You you cannot do that without an insane amount of self discipline. And you know, if you have the discipline to do all of that, and you have the self love, you know, and you need self love to have that kind of discipline. Right. You're all still going to have that same love to help. You know, um, resist the pressure to get vaccinated to go do everyday things in society. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole <laughs> lot that comes with that. Yeah, do you know I what mean, I mean? Like yeah, that's... absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's um, because there's from vaccinations to education to um, there's a lot. There's 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 a whole lot that um, you know, we have to kind of look at and decide. You know, number one, you know, what's best for us. Uh, number two, um what's right you know what i mean there's there's yeah there, there's 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 a lot out there i mean heck just on the um with the vaccinations um you know and for me you know to each his own as far as what you're going to do how you're going to do it but but here's here's what i get to when i when i talk vaccinations with people before we even get to that is yeah yeah um i, I like to mention to people when we talk about health care health care is a personal thing that starts with the food that we put on our plate and the things that we put on our body mentally, physically, emotionally. So with that, if we're taking good care of ourselves, whether it's COVID, whether it's all types of other shit that we battle, um, a lot of these issues wouldn't take place if we took care of ourselves the way that we're, the way that we're supposed to ahead of time. We wouldn't have all these issues that we do from, you know, dealing with wet markets to, you know, there's a ton of things that that are that are issues. But for me. Um, if we took better care of ourselves, you know, our immune systems would be stronger and we wouldn't have a lot of these issues. That's kind of where I start I, off with. I actually agree with you 100%. And I think that, like, you know, that it brings it to what we were talking about earlier. And it's that, you know, COVID hit, like, black and Hispanic populations a lot worse right, right. than it hit, like, wealthier white populations. And a lot of it has to do with diet and the fact that there's, like, a lot more fast food restaurants and liquor stores in those areas. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and there's, and there's, no, a, yeah. there's a lot of people in power who are complicit in this. Because they, do the this on, about- they do this shit on purpose, and then they put, like, a BLM flag on their profile to make it seem like they're allies, and it's, like, the most condescending shit that, I, that, that I've ever witnessed. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, 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 a, like, lot of pe- it's a lot of people in positions of power who – Whenever they really could make solid differences, like generational differences in people and their families, didn't do so. What they did was what they thought was easiest, what would keep them in positions of power. Um, so yeah, so there's there's I've got a um, a big problem with um, with a lot of that. But but you know at the same time, you know the, the problem I have you know also with people is I'm like we have to take responsibility for our own well-being that that's that's everyone's got to do that on a personal level we all have to take responsibility for it because no one's going to do it for us yeah we can't we can't trust 
a lot of people who we quote unquote vote in or who are in these positions of power, we can't trust them. So what we've got to do is we've got to take care of each other. We've got to take care of ourselves. We have to be more compassionate and more understanding as far as talking and working with each other. And then that'll put us in better in a, in a better position. But right now, you know, everything from the division to a lot of this, uh, you know, the bullshit that, um, that's happening. Yeah, it's it's um, it's, it's it's difficult right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think that um, there is a big divide, and I I I'm gonna give you my attitude about like this COVID stuff. Yeah, and um, I'm not trying to go down any like crazy rabbit holes. Yeah, 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 sure. Or, or yeah, any yeah, of yeah. that, but I do believe that this virus is being used as the pretext for a new world order, mm. and I think that this new world order is going to be used as a way for people who already are considered the wealthy elites who already have too much control of our movements o- over what we consume over you know what they want us saying to each other over our financial system it's going to give them pretty much full control where you don't even have the ability to get to their level no matter what you make or produce it's basically gotcha. going to be a way to stifle any kind of new growth innovation or anything that can make society a truly better place. And I think a lot of these people kind of are using and weaponizing identity politics to get people to consent to this. No, you, I I think, yeah, I definitely think there, um, I I think there's some, um, some, some truth to what you're saying in terms of, um, kind of where we're headed, you know, people in positions of power, you know, how they're, um, potentially manipulating things, but at the same time, um, even as you know, I may see that or, or have my opinion on it. It still goes back to at least the way I look at it from my personal uh, vantage point. Is I'm like, okay, so what is it that I can do? So that's part of the reason why um, you know went into uh, business doing the food truck and kind of getting out of the uh, corporate matrix. Was, what were you um, doing before that? I didn't even ask. Um, yeah, I used to work in. I worked in radio, man, for about eighteen years, man. So I did advertising sales for for a long period of time, which was cool, man. I mean, I, love, I worked in hip hop radio. I mean, which which, which stations? Uh, K one hundred four up in Dallas. Man. Oh, cool. All right, all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that for a long time. Worked with a lot of entertainment clients. That was dope. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, but also, you know, for me, it got to the point to where um, you know, legacy matters to me, and then actually making a change. And part of it. Um, when you start thinking about, you know, within the black community, you know, there there aren't as many examples of legacy when it comes to business when you have black kids looking at things as you do white kids. You know, white kids, I think about, like, from freaking Colonel Sanders to Wendy's to you freaking name it. I mean, black people, well, we got Aunt Jemima, you know, Uncle Ben, some bullshit like that. Man, I was like, you know, fuck that shit. You know what I mean? That That shouldn't be the only examples we have of people who started something that's actually got some legacy so that your kids and other people say, yo, I can do that. So for me, I said, you know what, you know, in addition to offering healthier options of food to people, I said, you know, I want to create something that, you know, my grandkids and great grandkids can look at and be like, yo, you know, my great grandfather, you know, he jumped out there and did this shit. You know what I mean? Yo, I can do the same thing and try to give some inspiration to you know younger people of of color or disadvantaged you know opportunities to say yo i can get out here and do some shit and, and actually make an impact I, I think they should put bitcoin mining software in all of the inner city schools to help level the absolutely field. bro that's <laughs> yo that would be dope man yeah. I mean, yo i mean 
and we talked about, you know, <laughs> cryptocurrency earlier. You and I are both in it. But yeah. that would be freaking awesome, man. Because if, be if there's awesome. a group, because here's, here's like, um, here's here's my take from like these protests and what what they really missed out on, right? And I think what they missed out on, and I've been saying this since they started, and they compl- they missed out on the whole financial system of inequality, because like the biggest inequality, maybe I'm wrong, right? You know, but my opinion, the biggest inequality that Black people face right now is financial. Of course, um, by by, by far, yeah. and that shapes how you you know the everything. neighborhood you live in. It shapes your police interactions. It shapes how you're brought up. It shapes how you view money. It the food shapes, you eat, the way you, I mean, all that everything. shit, man. Everything, absolutely. And you have, and you're creating a system that's designed to keep Black people in perpetual poverty, so that they can be a dependent on you for votes, mm-hmm. and b you know they're um. Prison labor is free and cheap, yep. and you know, um, black people have better genetics than white people in a lot of ways. There's a lot of this stuff, right? Yeah, man. There's a lot of this stuff that's being that, that's being used, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what these protests totally missed was the financial inequality, right? And it's like, well, how do you fix this inequality in a intelligent manner? Because printing up a bunch of money that's and, and doing do reparation and just giving everybody a reparations check with no foundation for how to spend the money is going to do nothing but devalue the currency and create more racism yep um so I why mean, it's got to be it's got to be bigger than that. it's got to go all the way down to these neighborhoods the education you know forcing the banks to actually work with people of color versus the bullshit that they've done in the past in terms of depending on who you were you may or may not, not get, get access to certain well, they had- so so those are the types of things um, that have got to happen on a community level, from from one to the other. Well, you got to you got to put sound money in black communities, yeah. and that's why I think that if you put Bitcoin mining software in like inner city schools, mm-hmm. um, and you invested f- programs to teach financial literacy um, in those programs specifically, and those become the pilot programs for like a decade or two mm-hmm. decades, you can restructure wealth completely. If you had, if you got um, everybody in the NBA, if you made it so that every NBA player had to spend two hundred hours with a financial um, advisor that ha- was not allowed to have any say in their finances after um, mm-hmm. they um, a- after that year was over or even during that year um, with the amount of money that could be reinvested you could change wealth completely there's a lot of yeah, stuff that you could just do and you could restructure this whole paradigm without spending insane amounts of money that, that's just, my take yeah though. no I agree just imagine if they just incorporated that into schools See, that's what they don't do. When it comes to schools, you got all this bullshit testing, you know, with, with you know, everything from, you know, math and all this shit that, yeah, granted, you know, some of that is necessary, but why don't you teach people how to live, how to be entrepreneurs, how to be financially literate, how to be um, socially responsible? Well, why don't you incorporate true lifestyle skills that will really impact quality well, of life, that impacts financial I'll, I'll tell you why. It's because they want mindless consumers. They Absolutely want a society of mindless consumers. They want because, robots. They want robots who they can tell yeah, what to do. Because a society of mindless consumers that, you know, you know that, that preach woke ideology to one another – basically create a system of complacency where the elites don't have to feel threatened by anything they're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Because, That's why, yeah. Yeah, the elites, I mean, here's another fun myth, right? And it's that people think, oh, the elites feel threatened by having to, like, pay taxes and give their money away. No, they don't. They feel threatened by some new person coming in and taking something and making what they are doing outdated. Yeah. Like, only three, you know how many companies in the original Dow Jones are still, like, in the Dow Jones? 
I think maybe like one, if that. Mm. Like they're all like they're maybe like three at the most. But I, I could, it could very well be that none of those companies are still even in existence. Yeah. Do you know how many? Do you know like what percentage of um, millionaires make under a hundred k a year? Over a third of millionaires make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Interesting. Um, teachers are in the top five professions of becoming millionaires when they retire. Out of every single profession in the United States, teachers are number five on the list. So with that's with that being said, if you just teach financial literacy, you will change the game completely. And a lot of people, a lot of these activists, they don't want to do that because then they don't have a business anymore. Yeah, I mean that that yeah, I mean that goes across the board. I mean in a lot of areas, man. They they like you said they want to keep people um as dumb as possible and as uninformed as they possibly can. That way like you said, you've always got to lean on them for something. You always think that they're necessary. You know, when um you know, we just have to be more, you know, self self-reliant. You know, that's that's what it boils down to, bro. It really it really does. I think that the financial literacy stuff it it pay, it changes the game completely. Um but Speaking of uh, what we were talking about, what do you think about the CRT stuff? Um, as far as like the like the teaching critical race theory in the schools, like what's your opinion oh, on that? Um, man, I mean, you know, as if you far don't as, have one, it's okay too. No, I want to no, know. No, what, no, what no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, to me, I think history should be taught accurately. I agree, and I, and, I, and I look at it as far as critical race theory or whatever you want to call it, man. I, here's the thing: I think it should be taught accurately. I think we should tell the good and the bad. I agree. And that's where it starts and stops. So I do think that some of the bad shit that happened should be told. I think some of the good shit that happened should, also should be, told. be told. You know what I mean? I think that there are a variety of things that should be expressed. But, you know, the way that, the way that I came up in school was bullshit. And the, well, reason, yeah. the reason I learned as much as I did was having, you know, a mother that was an educator. So we were reading books about Frederick Douglass and you know, the Tulsa riots and shit like that way back in the day. And then, you know, my dad does, you know, a ton of history um, research on our family shit. You know, he actually was able to research and find the slave purchase order for my five great grandfather. I mean, shit like that, you know, and that, you know, so that's the kind of shit that people need to know about. I mean, that's the kind of shit you need to see. I mean, all this other bullshit that they're putting in front of us. I'm like, no, that shit that I, that I ran across matters. I agree. No, I, I agree. You know? Um, my, my problem with the CRT stuff is not that they're teaching that it's who's teaching it. Gotcha. And it's like, you know, I, I watch videos about like the stuff, right. Professors. And it's just, these like white hipsters or these like <laughs> sheltered academics who hate America. And these people are like going to teach that to the next generation of kids. And all of a sudden, like you get a generation of kids who like, don't appreciate how good they have it in this country despite the problems that we have because this country's pretty fucking awesome like despite all the shit that happened back in the day compared to other countries compared to the the amount of opportunities that you have to become a millionaire that i have to become a millionaire riding this pedicab around this is a pretty awesome country and i think people should um you could still understand the flaws that come you know some of the bad stuff that we've done right but you can also still appreciate like a lot of what this country was founded on the principles should never go away. Like our constitution and all that stuff that should never like, you know, free speech, the right to bear arms, the right to assemble, um, the right to have control over your own body. That should never go away. And I, and I, my, my thing is that I, I really feel like a lot of the people that are teaching that, that are like in our education system, they're brainwashing our kids to like 
hate those ideals so that, you know, like, look what happened with COVID, man. People were telling on each other for going to the park. Remember back in the day? It's Mm -hmm. like, that's who I feel you have teaching your kids about this stuff. And it's like, you know, people do that in communist countries, bro. You don't do that. That's not supposed to happen in America. And I think that, like, you want the next generation to really appreciate what, like, the, the freedoms and liberties that come with being here. Yeah, no, it's a, um, it's 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 a it's a fine line that has to get walked. Like you said, appreciating you know some of what we were founded on, um, I think is important. But also, I think knowing you know who those people were that founded our country too, and just being straight up about it, whether they were slave owners and all that too. I mean, you got to be honest about that also, and that's yeah. just a part of it. You know, and, yeah. and I don't think it, I don't think it means that we that we dislike our country. I think we have to be honest, because on the flip side, I mean, there are just, and I make sure I tell this to other people, I'm like, yo, there's just as many black people who did some bullshit, you know, who should be talked about in history too, you know, that I think should be included. So it's not just a, a black or a white thing. I'm like, yo, there's, I, there's some bullshit. There's a lot there of really bad stuff that happened. That's happened across the board. We just need to be honest about I, it and accept it. Did, and the thing is, there's nothing wrong with learning about where we came from, but we also need to know so that we don't go back to it. Because if we don't understand where we came from, it's likely to repeat itself, well, especially when it comes to the bullshit side. The system was also devised to literally put black people against each other too. Absolutely. Even in slavery, it's like you actually had black plantation owners. Like I read, I, I read some like articles and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, where you had own where because like like apparently like if if the owner liked the slave like they can leave their estate to anybody, right? Right. So there there have been slaves who got who inherited estates from slave from the slave owner and they wind up owning the plantation. So you had stories of people owning the plantation. You had like the house slaves like who would try to tell on the field slaves and field slaves telling on each other so they can get preferential treatment by the mass. Like you had all, and and it was like, you weren't allowed to learn to read. Like there's been a structure of constant distrust that's been ingrained because of that. And like that, that should be talked about and taught in school. So people can break that cycle and trust each other. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and, and, um, you know, I just think within the black community overall, you know, we have to look at each other as, um, as 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 allies versus competition you know that's one thing that i do think we run into at times is rather than looking at each other as hey that's an asset over there looking at him like oh you know he i don't want him to have as much as i do or whatever so but you know beyond that though um i do think it's a um it's a systemic thing that starts from um, how a lot of people in power, uh, how they view things, and like you said, you know how they want to keep things separated. Yeah, you, you heard about the Bretton Woods Agreement, right? No, no, no. So in 1971, and I, I wanted to talk about this earlier, but in 1971, um, Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard. Okay. Um, because we, our, our economy was in the shitter. There was Vietnam. There's a lot of turmoil going on with the, in, with the hippie movement, and um, a lot of other countries basically. Um, Stored their gold in U.S. vaults. Okay. And they wanted to get their gold. People were worried about the gold being recalled. Mm-hmm. And so Nixon, and we didn't have the ability to do that, right? Okay. And so Nixon basically said, you know, we're not in the gold center anymore. And so now all our money is has no hard value to it, and it's just basically paper money that's being printed on these worthless pieces right. of paper. Right. Right. And then, um, what, what do you think happens when that when that occurs? Like the currency gets devalued. Yeah. Right. It's, and yeah, then the only the only people who can acquire wealth are going to be asset holders. Mm-hmm. And when one group of people are literally not allowed to own assets, um, because of how s- the laws were back in the day and how certain private banks operated, well, 
who's going to suffer the most from the absence of hard money? Yeah, I mean, you already know. I, exactly. Yeah. So, like, that's why it's like the most important way to fix this stuff is to just put Bitcoin mining software in the inner city, and you could fix this in a generation. No, in a no generation, doubt. you could fix this in a generation. It could change things for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm big, like, like we talked about. I'm big on cryptocurrency, where it's headed, um, the fact that it's uh, decentralized too. Yes, you know, yes. Which is freaking awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I appreciate, you know, not having, um, you know, certain people off in my pocket. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that is true. Um, I mean, people can still see the transactions. Like, right, like no if, if somebody looked like if you were on a list or you were a serious figure, right, the government could could track all your crypto transactions. Yeah, it's actually very easy to do it with, through yeah, the ledger, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, no doubt. But um, the proof of work that's required to mine the Bitcoin and send the Bitcoin mm -hmm. and do the transactions requires so much energy that we don't have the physical ability to do that. So if everybody starts adopting Bitcoin, um, it becomes a lot harder. You have a lot more financial freedom when it comes to doing that Absolutely. stuff. And that's and, and have you heard of the CBD like um, CBDCs and stuff? No. -uh. Central bank digital currencies? No. -uh. You got to look into that. But basically, okay. um, a bunch of countries right now are adopting like digital dollars, digital ver versions of their own dollar. Uh, that's what's up. Yeah, you know what I did hear about? I think it that's was bad, a though. South. Uh, that's bad. There was a South America country that I thought did that. Well, too. no, no, that's El Salvador, and they adopted Bitcoin. A central bank digital currency is basically fiat money but digitized so that the government can literally keep track and keep tabs on every single thing that you do uh, at all times you know you. what i mean yeah, like yeah, you cross yeah. the street the wrong way they could find you they could just you say the wrong thing on twitter oh They're they tapped find, into yeah, your yeah everything yeah. is just got you. super tapped in bitcoin helps solve that got you yeah 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 i got you yeah no absolutely no we don't need that there's already don't too want much that. especially already. if you want to actually be an activist to help your own community um like Bitcoin should be embraced a lot more in black communities than it is right now. It needs yeah, to be embraced it's, a lot it's more. A, but, you know, also you have to keep in mind you're trying to get a, a culture and a group of people to adopt something that they have absolutely no familiarity with. Also, just from a digital standpoint, a lot of people still don't have access to any digital shit, you know, whether it's a laptop, whether it's the most they have is their phone. So not only are you telling them, you know, you need to look into something a little bit deeper, but also something that they just don't have access to, not only from a physical standpoint, but mentally. It takes it takes that type it of takes time. time. Yeah, and, and but, but, but the thing is, um, you know, I think when you look at people like, you know, Elon Musk and, you know, people along those lines that are moving, you know, into areas like Austin and other places where you do have communities that could use that help, um, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take people like that to come in and say, I want to reshape things. You know what yeah. I mean? That's, that's what it's going to take. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. You know, and, and you also can't like finger that. wag. No. You also no, no. can't finger wag. And I think that a lot of people, especially like on the right, they'll complain about a lot of stuff that's going on. You know what I mean? But then it's like, okay, well, you're complaining and you're mad. And the stuff you're mad about is justifiable. But um, if you're not willing to talk to people that other that, that are like, if you're not willing to like actually like, talk to black people and Hispanic people about how this benefits them and present value, nothing's going to change. No, you, you know what I mean? And, and Conversations so, like, you have are to talk important. To people. And right. like, if you're not willing to talk to people, sit down, be open, be honest, share what you say in a non like judgmental type of format, right? And make things relatable. Nothing that you say or do will ever come to fruition. It's like the whole um, Prop A thing in Austin. Were you right. paying attention to that? Yeah. With I the mean, Save Austin Now thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the fact that we don't have conversations, um, 
you know, whether it's in politics, whether it's food. I mean, there's a lot of things, man. But without the conversations, nothing gets accomplished. Nothing gets, nothing gets accomplished. When people feel like they're being talked at, they don't listen. And, yep. and that goes on both ends. It goes with the Virginia governor race. Yeah. It goes with what happened during Save, the, Save Austin Now um, with, with the Prop A stuff. Like, people need to be – people need to feel like there's a relatable reason for why they are going to do a particular action. Agreed. Yep. Agreed, brother. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think we re- we talked about pretty much everything we were going to talk about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We covered a we covered a whole a wide bases, range man, wide range of in issues. The petty cab. Well, we'll talk in the petty cab. We'll talk about Travis Scott, in the, but that'll be the bonus feature. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Marlon, how do we get a hold of you? Um, you can reach me at plantbasedg.life on Instagram, um, or if you just want to come see me, uh, Community Vegan is the food truck. It is East Austin, off of Eleventh and Lydia. Come holla at me. Eat some good food. Does Community Vegan have an IG? Uh, yes, it does. Uh, it is at Community Vegan on Instagram. Come check us out. I'm excited. Anyway, Marlon, thank you very much. What's your last My name? My brother, Rison. Marlon Rison, ladies and yeah, gentlemen, yeah. baby. Let's go. Word up. All right. My man.